Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. I am joined by Greg Mitchell and Chris Schutte. We have a lot to break down today. It was the uh, first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Just wrapped up yesterday. A lot to go over. Um, first, Greg, Chris, really quick, just want to get your thoughts on the first weekend. I'll put you both on the spot. Uh, this is Greg. You know, I, um, I'm i happy Gonzaga is around still. Um, that, that That's all we have. So I guess that's a little bit disappointing. Um, I think a lot of people obviously thought uh, that, uh, you know, uh, Middle Tennessee or UNC at Wilmington would still, still be here. So you know, I certainly thought we'd have at least one more besides Gonzaga. So, I'm sad about that. Chris, are you there? Uh, I, I agree with Greg. I think everybody would have liked to see a couple more uh, mid-majors advance, at least into the second round and even the Sweet 16. But in terms of the games, I thought the games were pretty well. I think a lot of them were competitive. But, I mean, like Greg said, right now all we really have to – Rudon is Gonzaga. Yep, and we're going to talk a lot about Gonzaga today, obviously, because they are the only non-Power 5, non-Big East school still alive in the NCAA tournament. So because of that, we felt it would only be appropriate to bring on a Gonzaga expert. So with us here today is Peter Woodburn of Slipper Still Fits. Of course, that is SB Nation's. Gonzaga blog. Peter, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're we're doing pretty Good. well. Uh, first off, I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on what you saw from Gonzaga in the first two games. It was that uh, win over South Dakota State in the first round and then Northwestern um, the other day. I think at times Gonzaga looked dominant. At times it look pretty clear that they haven't played in many close games, especially down the stretch against Northwestern. Yeah, you know, it. Um, those two games, they pretty much reminded me exactly of um, Gonzaga playing in the Advocare Invitational this year where they had, like, uh, in the first game against Florida, they opened up with the worst half possible, and then they came back to beat Florida and then to carry that momentum against Iowa state in the championship game, they played like the best first half possible and then just had the just most horrid second half and barely clung on to win. Um, and that was pretty similar for these first two games. Unfortunately, um, I mean, South Dakota state's a good team. Um, I am not sure they're necessarily up to par on with Florida and everything. So I think for, I've been really um, pounding the Final Four drum all year and everything, but that wasn't exactly the um, – I mean, they came out with two wins, but I wouldn't say necessarily that they were the most um, inspiring wins that would make me want to book a last-second ticket to Phoenix right now. Yeah, I I think that's kind of what my takeaway was, and I've been with you all year on supporting the uh, Gonzaga to the Final Four <laughs> movement. Um it it was a little it's disheartening to see them let Northwestern back 
into the game, but you do bring up a good point that Gonzaga has um, beaten good teams this year, um, despite, you know, other people around the country maybe not wanting to admit that. Um, <laughs> just wondering from your perspective, from someone who covers Gonzaga all the time, um, are, are the haters a little louder than normal this year? Cause it seems like they are to me. Yeah, they they definitely are. I think that, um, you know, no one had any qualms with Gonzaga's little Sweet 16 run that they did last year when they, um, you know, I mean, they the only reason that they made the NCAA tournament last year was by virtue of winning the WCC um, conference tournament. And so, and, you know, last year the Zags, they were in the Sweet 16 and they were, you know, yet another late game collapse from – beating Syracuse to move on to the lead eight. And you didn't see a single word from anyone about that. I think that the, the moment that Gonzaga gets, um, especially in this kind of this haloed ground of the number one seed, um, that really makes people um, upset <laughs> for, for whatever reason. <laughs> and I, I think to a certain extent, justifiably because um, being on the West being on the West coast and a lot of, especially like a lot of the West coast conference games, they just started a really late time on the East coast. So it's, I think it's perfectly natural for a lot of people to have not seen them play, but usually everyone's instant reaction is just to assume that they suck instead of um, maybe, you know, admitting that they're actually like pretty decent because all of the metrics and everything say so, but I don't know. I kind of gave up really caring about what everyone was saying on that front. Yeah, I I don't blame you um, for that. But it, if you do look at this Gonzaga team and maybe think back to other ones that you've seen over the years, certainly a lot of really good teams. You've had, you know, number one seeds before. You've won a whole bunch of West Coast Conference titles. Um, but this team, you've got three transfers from Power 5 schools. You've got an All-American. Uh, is the makeup of this team a little bit different than in previous years? Yeah, I think that um, that in previous years, um, even if you look at the last time um, the Zags had a number one seed um, back with uh, when Kelly Olynyk was leading the charge. I mean, Gonzaga has always been a team that's gotten a lot out of it's gotten a lot out of its players on um, a fundamental kind of on like a fundamental game. But I mean, Kelly Olynyk is by no means the most athletic person on the planet. Um, DeMontis Sabonis was, a, was great, but he's also in no means the athletic, most athletic person on the planet. And Gonzaga's always gone a long way with um, just smart players and everything. And that definitely works to a certain extent, but then it becomes really hard when you start to compete with some of these schools that are just have these guys that are just flat out faster, uh, quicker, more athletic, longer, all those kind of intangibles in basketball that you can't teach. And, I think that that's what that's what's one of the big differences between this year's squad and a lot of other years' squad. I mean, the guards are not. I mean, the guards are very good size. Gonzaga isn't running out any like tiny like uh, Derek Rivio size guys that look like that they would blow away in the wind. And um, and then up front, you know, I mean, Shemek Karnowski isn't. You know, I mean, he's just a brick of a human being, but then you're able to replace him with Zach Collins, who's a totally different style of player and everything. And so I think that for the first time, the Zags have basically actually had 
the athleticism, the depth, and the skill. Um, and normally they kind of get like 2.5 out of those three, but this time they finally got three out of three. Well, it, it seems like this is probably a good time for Gonzaga to have that because they are matched up with West Virginia in this week's game. Yeah. <laughs> and West Virginia is a team that, you know, because they're in the Big 12, and the Big 12 has that deal with ESPN. I've seen them a whole lot this year. And <laughs> they don't have many weaknesses. They're a really good team. They're physical. They're fast. They'll press you. They'll turn you over. Uh, well, how, how do you think Gonzaga matches up with them? I, I think it could be a tough one. I think it's going to – yeah, I think that's going to be a really, really tough game uh, for the Zags, because, especially just right off the bat. Um, you don't see a lot of teams – uh, especially in the WCC, not the teams don't press very much, um, let alone do it for 40 straight minutes. And um, and the so I think that the Zags are definitely gonna have to make sure that they're well prepared for that press um, because as we saw against Notre Dame, I mean it can really just you know pin you into some really bad turnovers, and that's how the game gets away from them. But I think on the offensive end, um, West Virginia is definitely good but uh, on the defensive end, but if the Zags are smart and they're able to push through um, the half court relatively easily, I mean, they have pretty much five scoring options on the floor at any given time. And depending on the uh, whatever makeup that Coach View has on the floor at that time, usually three out of the five of them, are going to be able to hit outside jumpers. I mean, so Gonzaga is going to be able to stress Virginia's defense um, pretty heartily too, as long as they're able to kind of get into the rhythm um, and just avoid the really bad turnovers. And that'll, I think for that, that'll be really the big question is um, how, how flustered they get by the West Virginia press. Uh, Peter, how do you think that, uh, Having bigger guards like Nigel Williams, Goss, and Jordan Matthews, guys that their experience and they can play at a high level. How much do you think um, they can have an impact on the tempo and maybe getting it a little bit slower, not falling so much victim into the West Virginia press? Yeah, I think I think that they're going to be able to help out quite a bit. I mean, Nigel Williams, Goss is, um, I mean, he's an incredibly smart guard and I think you know there's been a few games this season that he's maybe turned the ball over three times maybe once like four times but he really does not he doesn't get too carried away just bringing the ball up court by any means he very rarely pushes it when there's no reason to push it um, and Jordan Matthews is the same way Jordan Matthews doesn't necessarily have I think the ball handling skills that Williams Goss does but they're both big quick and they're going to be able to take a little bit of the abuse that the that the West Virginia press is going to give them and um, and that also goes for uh, the bench guard Silas Nelson too he's a pretty good sized guard out of Oregon um, and he's a really just tough-nosed kid and so I think that they're pretty the guards are pretty well prepared um, hopefully to be able to handle the press. Is there a team you think this season that will have most prepared them for this game or is this a style they just haven't seen yet? I mean, this is just, I, this is a style they haven't seen yet. I think it, the WCC just um, by nature of just kind of the conference that it is, I mean, you get, 
you get a little bit of, you get a few glimpses of the press. Um, but also Gonzaga never really did because they were just steamrolling the competition the entire time. Um, you know, when you're down by like 30 points, it's not necessarily the best use of energy um, for your guys. And so it was something that was just so rarely seen by the Zags this season. I think they maybe got a little bit of it from Florida and Iowa State when they played in their um, the tournament uh, over Thanksgiving. But even then, it was just bits and pieces of it. So I think I think one of the big advantages, I mean, if it, if it can be an advantage, is the fact that by nature of the seeding and all this is, is that they're meeting West Virginia in the Sweet 16 instead of the Elite Eight. So they at least have these extra days to try and prep for um, try and prep for this press because I'm sure they go through it in practice, but it's real different when you have to put up with it on every single possession. You know, you're, you're, yeah, I don't think about oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Greg, go ahead. No, 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 no. All yours, Russ. <laughs> uh, you're t- talking about game prep um, coming up, and you know, Mark Few looked at as one of the better coaches in the country maybe doesn't get the appreciation he deserves because, you know, they're still chasing that elusive Final Four. Um, Just wondering from your perspective, how good of an X's and O's guy he is just because you, you know, you see him all season long throughout the regular season. Yeah, you know, he, Mark Few, I think, can be a really infuriating coach sometimes because, I, I mean, there's no, there's no doubting um, his, just his talent, his commitment, and his knowledge of the game um, to be able to achieve what he's done at the program. But um, he also kind of, he seems to make a lot of the same mistakes over and over again. One of his favorites um, was something that we saw against Northwestern where he, um, I think he really tries to slow the game down and take time off the clock with way too much of the clock left. Um, and he was doing that against Northwestern. And then he also tends to have some, I'd say he's about, it's, it's really interesting. He's about 50, 50 on his, um, late game, like timeouts and inbounds plays and everything. You see some, you see some that work like flawlessly well. And then you see other ones that are just, I mean, I mean, they just like completely fall apart at the start and you can't figure out what was actually going to happen because it looked that bad. So I think that, um, I think during, during the game, during the game, he's a pretty good coach. Um, but I kind of sometimes wish that in like late game situations, and that's not even like on the team, because they haven't played him this year, but just Mark Few overall late game situations, he just tends to sometimes make some really confusing adjustments or maybe leaves a player on for a little bit too long or takes a player off a little bit too quick. And But again, all that's really easy to just pretty much second guess the entire time. I mean, I'm sure you put me out in the court and I'd have absolutely you know, no clue what was going <laughs> on. So, Right. So we'll, We'll let you uh, we'll let you go in a minute. Before we do, uh, real quick, do you have a, a prediction for us for Thursday? Yeah, you know, I um, I'm just I'm, I, again I'm going all in because I feel like if the Zags don't win the Final Four this year, then they're just never going to yep. win the Final Four. So I'm just going to go right off the bat 
And despite all the butterflies in my stomach and how nervous West Virginia makes me, I'm just going to say probably like Gonzaga 65, West Virginia 60. I think either way, it's going to be a dis- a very brutal, like physical game. Either way, I don't think we're going to see a super high scoring affair in this one. All right. Well, that, that sounds good. I mean, I've, been on the Gonzaga train all all year as well, trying to beat back the, uh, <laughs> the trolls. So I, I'm going to go with you on that and say Gonzaga in a close one. So, listen, thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully, we can talk to you in a week or so and start <laughs> talking Final Four matchup. That's my hope. Yeah. Sounds good. Keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> Thanks. That was Peter Woodburn from Slipper Still Fifth. I want to thank him so much for hopping on to talk with us. And, uh, Greg, Chris, uh, now that we don't have the Gonzaga homework here to uh, to defend himself, <laughs> are you a little nervous for this matchup as well? Because I kind of am. I definitely am. I, it may be recency bias because, you know, in the second half of that Northwestern game, they uh, turned the ball over a lot. So that's just kind of – in my mind right now. Um, but, you know, they've got a really experienced point guard who's, who's very good. Um, so hopefully, and, and obviously that's not a place they've had problems with all this year, but again, what led to my question was this is a style they haven't seen and against athletes that they haven't seen all year long. So that falls into the trap of thinking because they play, you know, in the uh, WCC that they're not prepared for this. And I don't, I don't think that's the case, but, with this particular style that, you know, it, it just scares me a little bit. So the long, the, the short answer, yes, I, I am scared too. Yeah. I'm, I'd be afraid if I was Gonzaga. I actually picked them to lose to Notre Dame in the sweet 16, but after watching West Virginia, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but after watching West Virginia and just how much they, how much they controlled the game against Notre Dame, especially against the, veteran backcourt like Matt Farrell and Steve Asteria, I like we've been saying, it's a tough, tough matchup for them in terms of just the play style and the physicality that they'll bring. And if West Virginia is hitting shots like they were against uh, Notre Dame, I think Gonzaga is going to have their hands full. Okay, so uh, check out this great transition. So speaking of tough matchups, Wichita State had one. Uh, oh boy, did they! Which one? Oh, so the uh, Shockers, one of the best teams in the country, were given a ten seed on Selection Sunday. They had to play Dayton in the first round, which was certainly no guarantee. They won a close game there. Then had to play Kentucky, and Chris, you were courtside for that game. Uh, yes. how, how do you even begin to break this injustice down? I don't know where to start. I mean, by every every non-RPI metric, I mean, they're, they're one of the best teams in the country. And I think Greg Marshall raised some really good points in some of his press conferences about there being a lack of respect for not just the Missouri Valleys, but, but for the mid-majors, like we saw in the first round. I mean, Dayton matched up with Wichita State. St. Mary's matched up with VCU. I, I don't think the committee has it set in their mind that there's a vendetta out to eliminate the mid-majors, but 
he raises some really good points about trying to make it as hard as possible for those smaller non-Power 5 schools to make runs in the tournament. And I mean, Dayton, you could make a case uh, for them, too, that they got the short end of the stick getting messed up with Wichita State. Oh, they, they certainly did. Um, first of all, I think Dayton was better than a seven seed anyway, and they certainly didn't deserve to be facing a top-ten team in the first no. round. And just, just the fact that you had two seven-ten games that were mid-on-mid mid just really, really annoyed me. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not one to spout conspiracy theories like a lot of people are. I don't want to think that, you know, the NCAA is looking for good ratings in the regionals, and that's why they want big-name schools. I try to stay away from that, but, man, if if there was a conspiracy, this is what it would look like. Yes, I absolutely agree. Another thing that I thought um, was a little bit irritating with the bracket right next to me, sending Rhode Island all the way out to Sacramento, I mean, is there a farther uh, site between uh, there and Rhode Island that they could have gone to? And obviously they held their own. They advanced to second round and almost beat Oregon. But, I mean, just all of these matchups they got Dell is were, like, they were shocking just how much, like, difficulty was placed on all of these teams just to advance forward. Yeah. So, I mean, it, if you're not a top four seed, the NCAA is not going to do you any favors, certainly. Right. But you are, I got a really tough draw, at least in terms of travel, uh, having to go from Rhode Island all the way to Sacramento. Um, but, I mean, you know, you got you got to go where the committee tells you to go. And they – Yeah. I think they handled it really well. URI looked really good. They looked like the better team against Oregon. And it's a shame that they let it go uh, in the final minutes because I think that would have been a really fun Sweet 16 team to have. And I think that would have been a really fun Sweet 16 game with them against Michigan. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I would have I would have loved to see that matchup. Michigan's been, they've been unbelievable in first well, really for the last probably month and a half. And obviously URI, they were hot going into the tournament too, and that would have – I mean, we'll still get a good matchup with Oregon and Michigan, but I think all of our community would have liked to see another mid get a shot in the Sweet 16 like Rhode Island. Uh, yeah, and even just, absolutely. you know, to go back to something you guys you guys mentioned, you know, DCU um, as well as St. Mary's played in the first half of that game – there aren't many teams in the country, I think, that would have at least, you know, fought like they did in the second half to make it a game again. So that's another team that um, had their positioning fit a little, a little bit more favorable. I think we could be talking about a Sweet 16 team there. So just, you know, add to the frustration on that end. Yeah, absolutely. And to even just to backtrack for a second, back to Wichita and talking about the Shockers getting respect or the mid-major conferences getting respect. It seemed like, and Chris, you, you were in that press conference. Maybe you know better than we do. But it seemed like there was a lot of Greg Marshall, 
nudge, nudge, wink, wink, we're not going to be in the Missouri Valley Conference for very long uh, in what he was saying. Is, is that the impression that you got? Yeah, I definitely think that um, think that's something he was getting at. Somebody, I don't remember what the question was asked, but he kind of deferred saying, that's not my decision, that's an upper, that's like a presidential board of trustees type level decision. But I think that he's going to be pushing for that very hard, or I think that his time at Wichita State might come to an end if there's not a way that they can find a way to get a little more respect and not have quite such a strenuous road to the NCAA tournament and not have to dominate the Valley every year and have to win 28, 29 games just to get into the NCAA tournament. And I think that if something doesn't change here in the near future, I think that Marshall might look elsewhere since he's obviously going to be brought up in all the the big-name jobs from here on out. Yeah. Um, I think – I think you put it perfectly that there's nothing more that Wichita State can do as a member of the Missouri Valley to gain more respect. They had an undefeated season. They went to a Final Four. They're still not given the benefit of the doubt ever. Um, And, you know, we've gone over this a hundred times. We're going to go over it a hundred more times. It's not as simple as just saying schedule better teams because right. if it's a two-way if Wichita street. State, if, if Greg Marshall or the Wichita State AD called up Mike Krzyzewski and said, hey, come to Wichita and play us, he wouldn't be able to finish that sentence before Mike Krzyzewski hung up the phone. It, that's not going to happen. Now, right. Wichita ended up going to battle for Atlantis this year, so they had a shot and they lost to Louisville and Michigan State back-to-back, two really good teams. Um, But, you know, there's just no margin of error there. Um, And I I completely agree with you that if Greg Marshall is going to stay at Wichita State long-term, it's highly unlikely that Wichita State would be a member of the Missouri Valley. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about them possibly move into the American Athletic Conference. Um, there's been some uh, confusion, I know, at least in our mentions about that. So for anyone who might be listening, just outline it real quick. Wichita State does not need a football program in order to join the AAC. They would join in all sports except for football, which would bring the conference into 12 teams, in non-football sports, it would stay at 12 in football because Navy is a football-only member. Um, and Wichita State, in terms of revenue, would get some sort of partial share of the AAC's deal. Um, what the particulars are exactly, I'm not sure. Um, but that's how that would work. So it's definitely possible. Um, whether it happens or not, I'm not too sure. I think there's a lot that needs to be taken into account from the AAC's perspective. Um, but I think at least in the short term, at least in the immediate, you know, next couple of years, I think there's a lot in there that could benefit both sides. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where things stand for Wichita State. 
uh, you know, they got just such a tough draw. I, I guess one thing they can look forward to maybe is knowing that starting next year, the committee is going to take, um, take into account more metrics than just the RPI. Um, thank God. What, what exactly that's going to look like, I'm not really sure. Um, but they did bring in a whole bunch of, uh, quote unquote experts to discuss selection criteria this year. And that is going to go into effect next season. So hopefully that helps But long-term again, the best thing which Utah state could probably do to help itself is get out of the Missouri Valley. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think with the, like you said, with the metrics being taken into consideration, um, it's obviously going to take a couple of years to work out work out the kinks initially, but I think that moving forward, if that's something that can help benefit teams like Wichita State or a, a BCU or any of those kind of mid-major teams operating as a high ma- high major, I think that we might be able to see see some of those teams make a make deeper pushes into March and maybe even a couple other uh, mid-major schools kind of jump up into that upper echelon of the non-Power 5 teams. Yeah, I mean, if it, I'm just look. I have Ken Palm up in front of me, so that's what I'm looking at. But if yeah. that was a factor this year, I think it's very possible you would have seen Illinois State in the field. Um, Ken mm-hmm. Palm number 49 ahead of Virginia Tech and Seton Hall were both nine seeds. Providence, an 11 seed, um, an 11 seed at large, a USC as well. Um, it's very possible they would have been in the field. Um, not sure who else might have made the cut, if anyone else. Um, but year to year, that's something, you know, that will probably result in getting either a couple more mid-majors into the field or putting them in um, positions where they can um, succeed a little bit more than they have in the past. Uh, one thing going back to Wichita that, and I'd, I'd be interested in your opinion on this, Chris, having been there firsthand. Um, just kind of uh, going forward, and I don't want to be over—I don't want to overreact to one game, um, but it seemed like Landry Shamit, like that, certainly could operate as a a uh, launching pad into being, you know, like Missouri Player of the Year next year. Um, I don't know. It just—he seemed like he was a transcendent in that game, and. Like he belonged on the floor with like all those guys on Kentucky. But that'll be lottery picks. I mean, it was it was impressive. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think he's the next. I thought he was their best player for sure in that Kentucky game. I think he had some like 18 points in the second half. He really he was keeping him in there. He was battling uh, Darren Fox and Malik Monk for shot for shot. And he's only a freshman, and I mean he's he's got it all. He was hitting pull up threes. He was getting to the basket. Um, he's got size, he defends. And I think that with the cores that they're bringing back, I definitely think that um, – I definitely think Missouri Valley Player of the Year is in consideration. I think I think he can make a run at one of the All-American teams because, I mean, I think Wichita State, they're going to be – they'll be back next year. I think they're going to be a preseason t- top 25 team. I think that they're definitely going to be a team that a lot of people – look out for at the start of the year and 
I, I think the Shockers will be back, and I think he's going to be a big reason part of it. So, uh, actually, I have one more question for you, Chris. Um, knowing where you were seated at the um, – Oh, I hope I know what this is about. You know exactly what this is about. Were you self-conscious being on TV all the time? <laughs> well, could it, was I self-conscious about being on TV? Yeah. Um, a little bit. Not so much self-conscious, but very self-aware of what was going on. Like, I could see when the cam- the camera was on the TV guy thing. I could see over Jim Nance's uh, shoulder, like, at the their little monitor. I could see what the broadcast was. So I was making sure not to do anything stupid. And a lot of times when the camera was on me, I was either um, doing something on my computer or not trying to just stare into the camera like an idiot. It's, it's an awkward, it's an awkward situation to be in. That's that's for sure. How how amazing was that? Was the uh, the uh, mustache in person of that guy? Oh from, my goodness! Was he, he was from a newspaper in uh, Dayton, right? Is that where he was from? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, okay. I texted my dad uh, a picture of it. He was like, "Oh, that's so and so from Dayton. Like only old newspaper journalists and people from Dayton would know that." I was like, "Great." And um. Like, everybody that's texting me is like, who's that guy with the mustache next to you? And um, Adam Zagoria, the guy I was sitting next to, he he posted a picture on Facebook and said people were just going crazy over that guy, and he was, like, showing it to him. It, is, it was amazing. It was one of the best mustaches I've ever seen in my life. He had a, he had a long <laughs> ponytail, like, in the back of his head, too. So I I don't even know how long that guy's been growing out his hair. Oh wow, I missed the ponytail. That that disappoints me. Yeah, it's a little a little insider knowledge for you. Wow, look at that. See, that's why we send you places to get scoops like that. You're there yeah, to be in here. Wanna, that's, that's what you're there for. I have another little insider nugget for you. Oh, do tell. You know how they? Uh, you, you guys know about the NCAA cup rules. Yeah, the cup police. Yeah. Yeah. So. In between the, I think one of the, starting the night session Friday before the Dayton-Wichita State game, one of the CBS crew members walks up to the broadcasters and hands them all uh, Starbucks uh, coffees placed inside of of the NCAA cups to get past past the little rule about only being able to have NCAA cups past a certain point. I just thought that was... I thought that was kind of funny. I've actually done that. Um, the last year I did that at Barclays Center because Barclays Center served Starbucks in the media room, and I wow. would have to put it in a Powerade cup in order to bring it to my seat. Um, they, they take those cup rules very, very seriously, and it's just so funny to watch um, because if if, if you don't know, by the way, if you're listening, um, if you're going to have a beverage out somewhere um, where the camera could catch you, so if you're on press row or if you're a coach and you're on the bench or a player, any of that, it has to be in a Powerade branded cup because they are a sponsor of the NCAA tournament. So before you walk out onto the court, 
uh, like right next to the tunnel, they have a cable with just a bunch of Powerade cups and a big NCAA branded sign that says all beverages beyond this point must be in one of these cups. And there is somebody standing there to enforce this rule, the cup police. And they will do it, and you will get in a lot of trouble if you find a way to get past them. Um, so that's what we're talking about here, and it's just funny to watch um, every year because you end up in situations like this where Jim Nance has his Starbucks coffee in his Powerade cup as to not get in trouble. And I get to do that this week. I'll be at the Garden. I'm very excited for the East Regional. So, are, you, are you excited for it? <laughs> yeah, I am. It's Listen, I know it's not Villanova and Duke like we wanted, but it's still Sweet 16 Elite Eight, and right. I'm excited and, for that. Uh, yeah, I think that, it will not uh, be the same. Despite the seedings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they're still going to be two good, uh, really good games. Yeah, of course. Uh, so do we want to do uh, Sweet 16 predictions? Yeah, might as well. We kind of worked the transition in there. Yeah. Um, all right, so then let's start in the East. Uh, Florida and Wisconsin, who do you like? Great. I'm going to go with Florida just because they played really, really well that first week. I thought they'd have a tough time with East Tennessee State, um, as we discussed on the uh, Facebook Live that never happened. Um, I was really, I was really hot all over East Tennessee State. I thought they'd really take advantage of Ekbunu being gone, and um, that just really wasn't the case. So I, I just think Florida has a lot of momentum right now. They look good. I, I agree with Greg. Uh, watching them just absolutely dismantle Virginia defensively was amazing to watch, and feels that Tony Bennett can't get it done and in March crowd, but I think Florida, don't act like anyone is upset with that. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like Florida in this one. I think it's going to be a a close game, like all Wisconsin tournament games are. But I like Florida by four or five. All right. Well, then in that case, I'll take Wisconsin. Um, Boo. And well, sorry. To be fair, I didn't watch much of that Florida-Virginia game because, you know, why would I? Um, but Wisconsin right. did impress me a lot against Villanova. They look like a very complete team. They look like one that is a lot better than their seed. Um, but, yeah, close one. I'll go with Wisconsin. Baylor, South Carolina. I am on the South Carolina bandwagon after watching I am, the way they beat I am Duke. Too. I am ready for them to win. Let's go Gamecocks. I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm on the bandwagon. Big fan of Sundarius Thornwell. Big fan of him. Oh yeah, I love him. Um, hate to ask, but Gonzaga West Virginia. I think the Zags get it done. Cool. I think they find a way. Zach uh, uh, Collins is going to have a big game, and I think they're going to win. All right, that's fair. I'll go Gonzaga too. Come on, Chris, hop on board. Uh, I, Don't do I this, like Chris. the Mountaineers. I I like the Mountaineers. I think that I think that a uh, couple turnovers late gets it done, and I, it's going to be an absolute battle. I'm excited to watch. But I'm going with the Mountaineers on this one. I'm not I'm not trying to be a Gonzaga hater, but no. that's that's just what I'm going with. I forgive you. 
right. Uh, Arizona, Xavier, I love the run that Xavier's been on, but I think it comes to an end here. I think Arizona's on a roll. Uh, I think they're winning this game. Agreed. I I also agree. I have Arizona in my championship game, so. All right. Uh, Kansas, Purdue. We're all saying Purdue's going to beat Kansas, right? We can just move on. Yes, Uh, I will be at this game with my father, and I'm buying a a Purdue shirt for myself and my father. So we're going to be we're going to be all decked out. I'm sorry, Chris. That's just I I have to do it. I've got I have a lot of love for IU, but it's my duty. So if if you're going with your father to this game, would you consider these to be your father's boilermakers? <laughs> no, these are not your father's boilermakers. <laughs> so these are not your father's boilermakers. They are not. Oh, that's wild. I have Kansas in this one. They're my title pick plus any chance to trash Purdue is a chance that I have to take. Bye. Uh, Oregon, Michigan. I like Rhode Island in that game. <laughs> I I also like I also like the Rams in that one. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> uh but if they don't I win, wanna I think it'll be Michigan. Yeah, I wanna say that their run they're gonna have, you know, four days off, so their run's gonna end, but that didn't work the last time, so I I don't see why it doesn't continue. I like um, Oregon like, in this one. I, sorry. I, I was going to say, I like Oregon in this one. I think that they're actually the best of the three Pac-10 teams remaining. So I think they get them by a little bit. But I must say, I was very impressed with Mo Wagner up close. He is he is a delight to watch. Yes. Uh, North Carolina Butler. Uh, it's got to be North Carolina, right, even though they almost uh, – Collapsed against Arkansas. Yeah, yeah I, too much I think they come out strong. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm hoping one of you would be bold and take the Bulldogs, but that's fine. Um, it's, I think the athleticism and the and the size just gets to them. I don't think they'll be able to run with the with the heels. Yeah. Um, Kentucky UCLA round two. Uh, I think Kentucky. No, I picked UCLA. I'm picking Kentucky now. I changed my mind. I, I picked I'm UCLA. Go UCLA. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I'm still, my, I still just get. Yeah, that's right. You better get used to that. You better get, you're at, uh, comfortable with that. I think Kentucky. Uh, I still think they're too too volatile. I don't know. I I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I I keep going back and forth on it. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I I think that's going to be game of the tournament. Oh, of course. I mean, you saw what the first one was yeah, like between was... the two of them. Um, all right. Uh, Chris, do you have, like, a weird trivia question for us? Oh, I don't. Uh, I've got a stupid one. i got a stupid one that's just kind of throws some out here. I don't. I don't have anything, so let's hear it. All right. So we still have some some mid majors alive in the NIT. We have Richmond. I'm trying to think who else we still have. Do we still have Boise State? Um, I believe. Yeah, they're playing Illinois right now. 
Okay. And, yeah, so who do we have? We have uh, Cal State Bakersfield, of course. How could I forget that? Who's going to play tonight? Um, yeah. We have Richmond. I believe we have UT Arlington, right, still in it? Um, I believe they already played. They played? No? I should have looked this up before I, before I pop this one out Not here. Oh, they're see. playing right now, and they're about to destroy Akron. Beat Akron. So, okay, so we have Boise. We've got UT Arlington. UCF beats Illinois State, so that's out. We have C-Sub. So, anyway, so there are still some mid-majors that can absolutely win the MIT this year, a mid-major one last year in uh, George Washington, who was trying to win the CBI this year. That's that's uh, neither here nor there. But before last year, when George Washington won the IIT, what was the last mid-major, as we define mid-major, uh, to win the NIT? What team and what year, I guess? If you oh, get if you get okay. if you get the team, that's enough. Uh, is Wichita State the team? Wichita State is the team. Very nice. What year? Because uh, I think this is significant because I think you could see this as a launching point to what has happened since. Maybe. Yeah, I I want to. If you're trying to sell the NIT to someone, it was uh, 2010, uh, 2011. It was that season, so. Oh, okay. Ended in 2011, but it was a 2010-2011 season. That was the year that Missouri State won the Valley with Aconto Martin, did a fine job there that year. But uh, Wichita State uh, did win the NIT that year. So, again, a stupid, a stupid a question, one. but we've seen what's happened since. Um, so you can interpret that as you will. So hopefully all – both UT Arlington fans are listening, and they'll have something to be excited about when they win the NIT. Yeah, yeah. And then we can also say that our all-Scott cross team was had some small role in it. <laughs> yeah. We have, like, a lot of weird Scott Cross fans that follow uh, our site. It's, it's, it's strange, but, like, kind of in a good way. Yeah. Did we uh, ever figure out who wrote that one post about him? Was it his? Was it his wife? It was I think it was. I know she's. And, well, she she denied it. She denied it. But come on. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Does she rank above? Uh, does she rank above Greg Marshall's wife in the coach wife power rankings? <laughs> uh, I I think it depends on how you define that. Um, if we're going like by BAC, no. But in terms of like being awesome on Twitter, certainly. Yeah. Oh. So, Chris, when you were in that press conference and Greg Marshall's wife came in, was she being escorted by security? And was she very clearly um, drunk? I believe she was being escorted by security from what I saw. I don't know if she was – I can't confirm the reports that she was drunk. Um, she, was sitting a co- she was sitting across the aisle from me a couple rows up. Um, and Craig – I forget what he was talking about. Marshall gave an answer about something, and she, she said something out loud, and I like kind of looked, and I was like, oh, is she about to – she about to make a scene in this press conference, but um, that was that was the only thing that 
really came of it, but everything I had seen on Twitter was she was causing quite the ruckus. I had a couple of friends there that were sending me videos of her, and it was rather interesting. All right. Well, fair enough. I I wish you had really tried to make her cause a scene, but that's okay. Um, I I didn't want to didn't want to end the weekend on a bad note. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. And and you ended up getting some good quotes from Marshall uh, that we were able to get up on the site pretty quickly. Um, yeah, so he's, I, I think he's a very interesting, well. very interesting interview. He's I think he's a really smart guy, and I think he knows what he's talking about. He's great, great quote. Is he going to be the next coach of Indiana? I was going to say that sounds you know, like part, someone who wants him to be his next coach. Yeah. Part of me, part of me wants him to be the next coach, but part of me also wants him to stay at a state Wichita State and get it done. Um, I'm not sure how the fan base would. Um, kind of take to his outspokenness and things of that nature. But for purely basketball reasons, I would absolutely love to have Greg Marshall on board. Well, well, if, if there's one thing we know about Indiana fans, it's that they're very reasonable and very willing to yes. listen to, uh, you know, very willing to accept maybe the antics of conventional coach. Yeah, they – they're very used to having weird guys uh, patrolling the sidelines. They haven't had any any issues with <laughs> anything they do other than for purely basketball-related reasons. Okay. All right. Uh, well, we have a couple of days until the Sweet 16 tips off. We'll come back uh, hopefully after this weekend of basketball and would love to be able to talk about Gonzaga Final Four stuff, so I hope that happens. Um, but in the meantime, you guys have anything quick to add before we put everyone out of their misery and end this? I have nothing. I got nothing either. Let's go Zags. All right. So thank you for sticking with us, as always, for Chris, for Greg, I am Russ. Thank you so much for listening to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. I hope you enjoyed the games last week. Hope you enjoyed listening to us tonight, and we hope you enjoy another weekend of basketball uh, coming up starting Thursday. Have a good night.